0: What it is
1: to be hope all to Excellence has been established by Coach Wilkinson, Coach Switzer, and Coach Stoops. It's my responsibility to defend that standard and to build upon that standard.
0: Welcome to the Oklahoma
1: Drow Podcast with your hosts, Jesse Kirkendiz and Brian Clark. Hello, Sooner Nation, OU Insider, Subscribers, Coach Brian Clinton, Enthusiasts and Fanatics, Oklahoma City Thunder, Believers. That's me. That's this guy. This is not a basketball pod, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I'm. <laughs> it's, a very good, it's a very good time to be a Thunder fan right now, uh, whether you live in Oklahoma or, or elsewhere. This is the Oklahoma Drill, a podcast podcast fueled by OU insider and the Rivals network I am joined as always every week by coach sir esquire Brian Clinton Jr. the 3rd that's the first time i've done that Jr. the 3rd
0: Jr. the 3rd Brian.
1: since we last spoke uh since we last did this podcast rather there's been christmas mm-hmm. right we didn't we didn't talk after christmas we didn't do the pod after christmas right um then uh oh played a bowl game and then there was new year's right okay so i was gonna ask so porter moser we have a he has a joke with some of the reporters that uh new year's is amateur hour he says it's a stupid holiday it's okay. pointless where do you fall on new year's eve slash new year's as a holiday and do you agree that it is amateur hour I didn't tell you I didn't tell you I was gonna throw this at you. No, you're uh you didn't,
0: which is that's how you're gonna get a candid answer from me. Um I I think I don't know. I I think it's uh I think it's a fine holiday. It's not, you know, I, I wouldn't put it obviously ahead of Thanksgiving, Christmas. Uh it wouldn't be ahead of Fourth of July. Uh I, I would put it kind of in the same category, maybe a step above like St. Patrick's Day. Like it it just feels like another reason for people to be, you know, be, be stupid or another reason for people to, to get a public intox or something like, I don't know. Like it just, I don't know. It seems it is like the starting over of a new year. I, I understand that part of it, but the, the whole hoopla of, of the ball dropping and, you know, I mean, whatever Uh, football, it's a, it's a good time for football. Like, I, I mean, there's good football games on that's about the extent of it though.
1: Well, I know I agree. I would say a couple things. One, it's I know it's the way it works, but I've always thought that New Year's after Christmas is like it's it's two, quote unquote, major holidays within yes. a week span. Yeah. I've always thought that was weird. Um, and two, I know that I'm getting older every year because every year it gets a little bit harder to make it to midnight on New Year's. Oh, That's I, how I know I'm getting older.
0: I was in bed at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I was in bed at 10 o'clock.
1: Nothing, well, Bye. and for what you're a family man, you right. have a little bit more of an excuse yeah, than I that's do. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but, I, you know, once you've seen a ball, once you've seen it drop, you've, I, yeah. I don't know. I've seen, I know what a year looks like. I know what a new year looks like. Although I will say that this new year is particularly exciting for me because the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl.
0: Oh, uh, that's right. I remember you telling me that.
1: Yeah. Well, I've been trying to tell everybody. Um, so this so 2024 is particularly exciting because in in a month and a half I'll get to celebrate the Cowboys and our our uh our king Mike McCarthy believe leading us to the promised land. There you go.
0: There <laughs> you go.
1: <laughs> but more importantly, Brian, since we last spoke, oh you did play in the Alamo Bowl. Uh they lost 38, 24 to Arizona in a game that pretty wild and i think there's a lot to take from it and not a lot to take from it it's it's a weird uh conundrum mm-hmm. uh, but it represented the end of oklahoma's season and it's funny i was going back through i'm going to write a story later this week revisiting some of my preseason predictions i forgot that i sort of hedged my bets a little bit because the first prediction i made i said 10 and 3 i said firm 10 and 3 and then i saw and I don't know why I didn't realize this, but two other places right before the season started, I said they'll finish the regular season 10 and two, which they did. But I also said they would make the big 12 title game. Mm. So I'm like, I'm, I was like 78% correct. Cause I did get their act. I did get the regular season record correct. And their right. final record correct. But I predicted a big 12 title game appearance that did not happen. So all that is to say that I think 2023 was a weird year. It's an interesting year, not weird, maybe, but an interesting year to to analyze in the in the in the throes of OU football. And you and I, we've talked about it. Our, our colleagues Parker and Brand or Parker and Brandon have talked about how we feel about the 2023 season. But I think one thing is like, wh- how should fans look at 2023? Because I think there's obviously a difference in perspective there, but also I think there's so much to analyze. Mm. So, Brian, this was kind of your idea. um, But on a scale of one to ten, judging from a fan perspective, not only how excited they should be about this season, but excited about going into next season, one being no excitement and ten being impossible to be more excited. How should fans, I guess it was primarily stick to this past season, 2023, 10 and 3. How should fans feel about OU's 2023 season?
0: I'm gonna go seven and a half, seven point five. Um uh, so the first thing that needs to be addressed is you're coming off a of six and seven year, which does not need to be Thrown away. I mean, you you have to remember where this team was and how it got to where it is now. Um, I think the argument could be made, and it's it's very important to say that the standard at Oklahoma, which is kind of what Brent Venables that's a that's a something he's he's preached on since since he got here. Um, that that's something that that Oklahoma, I, I think they they lived up to this year. I think they got back to the standard at Oklahoma, win ten games. Um, you know, they've done that as, as many times as anybody in the country. And I think that, that getting back to that, uh, that standard of, of play and finishing, you know, as a fringe top 10 team, I think that you're getting back closer into the echelon of, of college football that, that Oklahoma fans have grown so used to. Um, however, I think that, the same issues that, that cost Oklahoma in 2022 persisted at times, uh, you know, inopportune penalties were still an issue. I mean, it was totally evident, not just in the bowl game, but in their other losses and and some of their wins, uh, any time that they would get going offensively or, or find some momentum defensively, they would shoot themselves on foot with this, with, with a penalty or, or, or a a turnover at the wrong time. Um, you know, there were some personnel issues in, in 2023 that, you know, we go back to mid season and it was, it was rough. Like it was, it was, it was really hard to decide what in the heck was going on. Um, you know, when it comes when it came to some of those personnel decisions. So I think that, I think you can, you can kind of take, take this season as a step in the right direction um, no, there's not a ton to be excited about. I mean, outside of that win over Texas, uh, which was huge. Um, I think that there's a lot of, uh, there was a lot left to be desired, uh, for this team. So I'm going to go seven and a half. I, I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. Certainly some things that could be cleaned up, but, uh, overall uh, a good season.
1: I would agree. I was going to say a seven um because i think from a fan perspective it's i know certainly for me it was hard to really gauge uh going into the season what reasonable expectations were hmm. and and it's hard because i did i mean i predicted 10 and 2 in the regular season and to me i thought a texas loss and something else unexpected and i think what you wanted to see was i mean i don't think anybody really expected coming into the year that ou was going to be a national championship contender i, I don't think anybody really thought that not saying that it was impossible right but it, it's it's so hard cuz i think for me it's like okay well some of those close losses in 2022 if they get a little bit better luck and they improve a little bit that shouldn't be as much of a of a problem they need to improve defensively and i mean and they did i mean i predicted before the year they would finish 45th in scoring defense they finished 48th that's that's good mm-hmm. from where they were 2 years oh, ago yeah. that's a huge improvement they improved essentially across the board um really on both sides of the ball um they were good offensively in 2022 they were elite on i mean some inconsistencies and bad moments aside they were an elite offense in 2023 mm-hmm. Uh, defense was better for the for the most part across the board. You saw the improvement there. I think if you had told most people ten and two in the regular season, they would have taken that. I think the I think the thing that makes it weird is after that Texas win, expectations skyrocketed. Yes, for, from me as well. And I think if you're a fr- if you're a fan, it's like yeah, ten and two, you know, or ten and three is great but man those Oklahoma that oklahoma state loss and that kansas loss were bad yep just bad i mean not it's not about taking credit away from either of those teams but they were just bad and and it's weird because football is not a perfect game you're never going to play perfect but it was i think it was less about the fact that they lost two games but it was that they lost those two games in the way they did it right and and then I think losing to Arizona, which, again, it's not about putting a ton of stock mm-hmm. into that game. Obviously, you had you know several players that left. It's Jackson Arnold's first start, all that kind of stuff. Arizona's a really good team. But, man, leading 24-13 to 13 at the end of the third quarter, your offense is inside the red zone. And not only losing that game, but giving up 25 unanswered to end the game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Transfer, I mean, Portal... You know, departures, opt outs, that's just, dis- it's disappointing. That's disappointing. Absolutely. So it's, so it's weird. It, it almost felt like, like three steps forward and a step and a half back. That's kind of, I don't know. That's kind of how I see the season. And if I'm a fan, I'm thinking, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot of guys returning, another mm-hmm. great recruiting class. But to me, if I'm a fan, I probably have in the back of my head, is this team's consistent issues of committing bad penalties, bad turnovers, not being able to close out, you know, close games consistently. Is that going to be a problem? I think that would, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think if I'm a fan, that's a thought in the back of my head.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think you're right on there. Um, It's that's a, you know, th- those p- discipline is really what those things come down to, and I would be—I don't—it would be totally out of left field for me to believe that that a Brent Venables-led football team is undisciplined. So, uh, but the the proof's kind of in the pudding at this point, isn't it? I mean, we've seen it for two years. It's something that's persisted. Um, I, the one thing that I point back to is youth. Like not just with, and you and I had this conversation on the way home from San Antonio. Um, not just with the team, but but with the coaching staff. I mean, you've got guys in positions that they've never been in. Uh, I, I mean, Brent Venables, first and foremost, he he's been a head coach for two years now. Um, there are so many things that come along with that, and you know, I I think that you know, he's still he he would admit he'd be the first to admit that he's still got things to learn from that perspective um, you know, and you've, you've got guys uh, that, that are stepping into bigger roles all over that staff. And then when you look at the, the, the field, you have, you know, Danny Stutzman, Danny Stutzman feels like a fifth year senior, like but he's just a junior. Uh, you've got Jaron Kanik, who was in a huge role. I mean, that that's a guy that was a sophomore. I mean, there's, there's just, there's, there's guys all over both sides of the field that, that are, having to step into these bigger roles that it's huge. And I guess the one positive that I would really take from everything is as far as the defense goes with the improvements that we saw across the board. I mean, you know, they still, despite that six turnover game, um, you know, this, this was still one of the best defenses in the country when it comes to forcing turnovers, um, you know, they were one of the best defenses in the country on third down. There were a lot of positives. And I think what's what the biggest positive is that this unit is right on pace with what we saw Brent's defenses at Oklahoma, his first stint and with what Clemson, uh, have, you know, with what Clemson had in their first stint They're they're right on pace with heading into their third year under Venables that, you know, things are going to look really good, you know, get to that closer closer to elite level, hopefully next season. And with the guys that come back, I mean, that probably is the one big thing that, that Venables has done over his 10 years is he somehow gets these guys, whether it's just the, the whether it's the uh, culture that he builds or whatever it is, he, he gets guys that are, are draft eligible draft ready to come back and to play another year and develop again. And, I think that you know that that can't be overstated how important that is to have that kind of leadership and experience. Uh and in a world where NIL is starting to become more and more prevalent, maybe that's just a trend that we see more and more often now as guys maybe not leave earlier like they would have in the past, but I think it it points to to a positive uh, spin on things for for Oklahoma fans that you know this thing kind of this is on track but you definitely have some kinks you got to get worked out if you're ever going to reach the next level which which Oklahoma certainly wants to do
1: I agree with all that all the the I think the thing that it's this is not an aside but how did Oklahoma only score 24 points against Oklahoma State no clue how did that happen that's an Oklahoma State team really defense specifically that's not very good. Well, and, and think <laughs>
0: of that. I mean, like, yeah, it's you have the Javante Barnes fumble down there. Damn. You know, if it wasn't in the red zone, it was right in the red zone. It's kind of like Except the Arizona. big play. Yeah, big it's, play. it's just yeah. like in, in the Arizona game. You have two turnovers in the red zone. And that takes uh, the thing that hurt Oklahoma in those situations was that's in the being a 14 point swing because they give up touchdowns on, on, you know, on on the ensuing drives on those. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they only scored 24 points against Oklahoma State. <laughs> like that just still blows my mind.
1: And obviously the the Drake Stoops PI which was a PI and in, in terms of egregiously missed calls that had a huge impact on a game, I think you'd be hard to find three more across all of college football this year. But still, it was weird to see, I mean OU's defense wasn't perfect that game, but it was good enough to win. Mm-hmm. It was weird to see the offense have issues. I don't know, but it's also hard because think about all of the changes, all of the things that have happened since Brent Venables took over the amount of players that hit the portal, the the amount of changes that, that there have been not to mention even stuff that we've forgotten about. The fact that kale Gundy
0: <laughs> right.
1: resigned before last season started, that was completely, that's out a of pillar litter.
0: of the coaching staff. Like,
1: yeah, uh, Jeff, Uh, Jeff Levy, I know some fans are, are probably happy or are certainly happy, but he's gone after two years, he's gone. And that's a big change. That's a huge change. And I think, OU. I mean, think about the, the the transition from Lincoln Riley to to Brent Venables and the amount of coaches that left the amount of players that left, it seems like Brent Venables has been playing from behind in some ways. And it's really impressive to, to see how they've, rebounded either through the portal last year's recruiting class was awesome this year's recruiting class is awesome it's like I say all that to say that I think that is important context for evaluating a team that hasn't been perfect that was or under Brent Venables it was better this year noticeably better on right. bo- on both sides of the ball but it's not it's not perfect there were bad moments there's also I mean there hasn't been a ton of stability. Even think about it now. Dylan Gabriel's gone. Now, there's right. excitement and should be for Jackson Arnold, but the era had to start with a transfer portal quarterback. It's here for two years. Now, OU's already got another quarterback. There are another starting quarterback. It's just, it's hard for me to really evaluate because you could take all of that into consideration and see the improvements they've made, but still, really all three of those losses, I think were kind of discouraging. Especially in the context of OU seven and zero start to the season with a win over Texas, yeah. I, so I, I don't, and then you look into next year. OU's going to have a one of the ten hardest schedules in the in the entire country. It, I don't know. I, it's so it's so weird. I'm not trying to make it no, a bigger deal, more no, complicated than it is. No,
0: you're you're not. I I think that's it's a perfectly valid point that it's extremely difficult to. I mean, under what, what, what's the context whenever you're, what, what's good or bad for what we've seen Brent Venables do? It's, it's been a, it's, it's so hard to compare it to anything else out there. I mean, sure, programs are are replacing coaches and players all the time. That's the, that's the world we live in. But at a place like Oklahoma, I mean, you're, you're talking about one of the, in the college football playoff era, this is one of the four most successful programs. That there have been, and over time, I mean, one of the two or three most successful programs in the country. And so this is, you know, you you haven't seen, you haven't seen Ohio State, you haven't seen Alabama, Clemson, you haven't seen them really uh, to take these these same sorts of of pitfalls. But they have all kept their head coaches that you know through those through those times. You know, you, Ryan Day being. I guess the outlier, but still there, there's, there was always stability. There was never that, that really changing of the guard feel from, from when Ryan day took over for and Meyer, it just kind of, they, they kept their roster and just kept rolling. So, uh, and the other thing is, is like, there's not, I, I don't think you could have two more differing philosophies if you tried with what Oklahoma had prior to Brent Venables versus what, they have now i mean we're talking Night about absolute day. opposite ends of the spectrum um in terms of you know obviously offensive and defensive minds but uh in how they approach things Brent Venables is de- so detail oriented it's it's so meticulous about things whereas it almost felt as if Riley was more almost so much of a players coach sometimes that it was a that it was a, one of his shortcomings so um I don't know. There's so much to go off of. I think, I think year three, everybody talks about year three being the year when you really start to judge a coach. Um, I, I think that's valid here. It's just, you're going into the sec. Yeah, there's so that, many, the yeah. Like part. there's so many changes, so many things happening. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, and to this point, I think Venables has proven I, I I look at his record, I see ten sixteen and ten. Still what he in what he inherited and how much changes happen. I think the roster headed in the right place. Um and again, if we're looking at eleven and two, if they beat Arizona and uh, you know, they're eleven and two, that, that one game difference, you probably feel a lot differently about things. So, That's true.
1: It's true, and I I agree. Like, And, God, we didn't even mention the biggest change. OU has gone through all this change the last two years. And like you said, it's not only just personnel, staff, culture. It's everything. It's also the way they approach game days is different. The way they craft game plans is different. What they do during a game is different. It's how they coach, the way they run practices. It's all different. I can guarantee everybody out there. It, you would be hard pressed to find a bigger coaching change than to go from Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. yeah, it, you just sure. would be um but I will say like it's almost to me it's I think there's a lot of positives, but I think if I'm a fan it, it's you've still gotta like it's almost I think you're gonna have a better idea of how to judge this season after next season yes in a in a weird way. Cause like, to me, like you can, you can say all that and say all the changes, but this isn't the NBA or the NFL where you, where there's, I mean, there's rebuilding and there's tanking and there's purposes behind that still at the end of the day, even with how much college football has changed, mm-hmm. it's about wins and losses. It It's just about wins and losses. Right. There's not, there's not a ton of patience, particularly for a program like Oklahoma, And so, again, I think this is hard because OU took some noticeable gains, but you can't have self-inflicted issues like they did this year that cost them three games. You can't have that next year. Not with a schedule that's as hard as OU's is going to be with as much unfamiliarity as OU is going to have. So I I think all that is to say, if I'm a fan, I think there's things to feel good about. I'm excited about the progress the defense showed. I'm excited about Jackson Arnold, but – in the back of my head, I'm thinking, man, if if we if if we're bottom of the SEC and penalties, just like we were, really the last two years, mm-hmm. if we're if we have games where we just commit horrible turnovers, what's our record going to look like? Seven and five, right. six and six, yeah. <laughs> I, I so I, but the one good thing though. Or not one good – not the one good. I'm not saying there's only one good thing. A good thing is OU had a little bit more consistency this year than they did last year. They're going to have even more consistency heading into next season, and we've learned how much more consistent that's going to be with Woody Washington announcing that he's going to return. He announced uh, last night, Tuesday night. And we had known – I think there was – I think there was buzz that he was leaning towards leaving after the regular season ended. But I think over the last couple of weeks heading into the bowl game, it started to seem more and more likely that he was going to return. And that's just, it's just humongous. Not only because of, uh, I mean, he's a four-year starter, obviously, and he, he's a veteran guy. You need all of that that you can get heading into the SEC. But the, the thing for me, and I noted it in, in my tweet yesterday, was now that you've got, you've got a guy at every position group on defense that is not only a veteran that has played a lot of games, but they've played two seasons under Brent Venables. Yeah. That's Woody Washington. It's Billy Bowman. It's Ethan Downs. And it's Danny Stutzman. You add that with the amount of guys that are returning from last year, se- or you know, from this past season to next year, that's something to feel really good about. Uh, but for you, just how big, I mean, how how significant is it that you know after we got Downs saying he was going to stay Stutzman Bowman now you add Woody Washington into that mix how how big is that
0: it's major I mean it's I think you you look at what Oklahoma has returning defensively they're one of the most experienced units in the country next year uh, coming back which if you would have told me if you'd have told me after the Texas game that Danny Stutzman Billy Bowman and Woody Washington, all three were coming back again. I, I mean, I just, I don't think I would have believed you because it, it seemed like at least two of those guys were probably pretty well gone um, and maybe maybe a third. But you get all of them back. You add Deshaun Terry coming back. You add Jacob Lacey coming back. I mean, you, you've got pieces all over the defense that were you know, pivotal playmakers for him this year coming back. And I think the biggest part of it is, as I mentioned earlier, going into the third year of Brent Venable's system, I, I think people tend to forget just how important experience at the college level is. I mean, you have all of these practices. Something that gets lost with with fans is you have all of these practices in the spring and in the fall. You have all these practices in, in the summer during fall camp and all of that, but you only have twelve or thirteen games to show what you what you've got, and I, I think that people tend to forget just how big of a leap you can make in, in in an off season. I mean, there there's just it can change the entire course of your career as a football player if you have a good off season. and and the more off seasons that they can stack you know, and, and stay healthy, the better off they're going to be. And I think that that's just such a huge thing for the, for that group of, of returning players, because you get the, you get the opportunity there. There is no question. There's no question that everybody on that field in 2024 is going to know what's going on. Like the scheme is not a quite, there's no learning. There's not like, you've got guys that have been in the system You've got guys that have have been in practice. they've been through a couple of off seasons. There is no excuse for any of that stuff anymore and and the contributors that are gonna be coming in fresh, uh you know, I, I ex- expect uh, Dejon Malone uh to to have to be somebody that has a big role uh with how uh with how David stone has has looked in one on ones. it sounds like he's gonna be an immediate contributor. you're You're putting guys into situations. Uh, where, where they can be role players because you have the right pieces coming back. So um, I think it's huge. And to have Woody Washington, who, you know, he's not he's not a real outspoken guy. I mean, neither he or or Billy Bowman are, um, you know, as far as raw, raw. You know, they're not Danny Stutzman's when it comes to, um, you know, personality. But I think he's the kind of guy that whenever he talks, the rest of those guys in the room are going to listen because he's been around. And I, I think that's really important, especially with the young talent that Oklahoma has coming up. So it's a big deal. It's it's really big for Oklahoma, and you have to feel good about where the defense is headed into next season.
1: I saw some some responses. I think mostly from trolling Texas fans after. Uh, I'm sure you saw that yeah. too. <laughs> uh, after he after he announced he was going to return, uh, that you were like, "Oh my god," he you know he got cooked against Arizona. He's not very good. For one, all that stuff is dumb. I think Arizona was a tough game for him because I think Arizona was a tough opponent for OU's defense, their size and their length and, yep. and all that stuff. Not to mention, again, bowl games are a little bit hard to judge because you're missing pieces that you normally would have and all that aside. To me, that's kind of missing the point. Um, guess who led the team in snaps this year? You want to take a guess? The defense. Sorry, you want? Oh, the, the defense. De- okay. Yeah, who led the, who led the defense and snaps? I was sitting
0: there going through offensive linemen. Um, well, it would be probably Danny Stutzman if he, if he didn't miss a game and a half. I'll I'll say it was I'll say Billy Bowman. It was Woody Washington was it? by by a
1: considerable amount actually. So eight hundred and fifty one snaps.
0: Wow. According to Pro
1: Football Focus, next closest is Billy Bowman at seven eighty one. So Woody played 70 more snaps than the next closest guy. That or,
0: alone yeah. tells mm-hmm. you how good Woody Washington is because guess who you didn't hear a whole lot about throughout the season? If if news is quiet for a corner, <laughs> that's a good thing. Continue your thought. I'm sorry.
1: No, you're good. So 851 snaps for Woody Washington. The team as a whole played 970. Holy so that God. means, or the defense. So that means even with the blowout, Wins against Arkansas State and Tulsa, and just the grinds of, or you know, the the grind of a 13 uh, game season. Woody Washington was only on the bench for 119 snaps. That's insane. He played essentially every snap in conference play. That's humongous. So, uh, but again, uh, Billy Bowman's second in snaps on the defense with 781 guess who's third just take a just take a guess danny says danny says and you're bright he probably would have led the team in snaps had he missed you know a a game and a half right Uh, Right. but those three guys are coming back it's big time both where's ethan downs
0: on that list he is he is sixth i figured he'd 500 and huh i said i figured he'd be top 10 yep yeah 529 so Which those... is Im- impressive for him being a defensive lineman. Like that's that that's nuts.
1: Yep. Guess who's fourth? This is this is a fun game. Guess who's fourth? He's a linebacker. Canick. Wow. So I know Canick kind of had a tough second half of the season, although I thought he played pretty well against Arizona actually. Mm-hmm. Um so now that means five of your six guys that led the defense in snaps are coming back. And four of them have been starters multiple years, including under Brent Venables. And now those guys are returning. That is just consistency and continuity that this team simply hasn't had. Uh, Another fun game. One more more fun question. Guess who led the team, according to Pro Football Focus's, rush defense grade? Guess who had the highest rush defense grade?
0: Gentry Williams.
1: That's a good guess, but no. Hmm. He is a he is a secondary player. Is it is it Bowman? Is it Woody? It's Woody, it's Woody Washington.
0: Wow, man, yeah. So that's impressive.
1: Yeah. So again, I mean, I think it's you can. I mean, look, every every player in a secondary gets burned at some point. That's mm-hmm. just that's just the if you play high enough competition. But Woody Washington's return is a is about more than that. It's that you now that's eight hundred and fifty snaps that are returning Right. that you don't have to replace with guys that um either haven't played a ton of either haven't played a ton under Brent Venables or haven't mm-hmm. played a ton in general. Right. That's, that's 850. I mean, that's, that is, that's a position that you can say, okay, well, we've got our, we've got our two starting cornerbacks heading into next season. They're just, they're there. Yep. And one of them has played, has been a starter for four years going into five. He's played two years under Brent Venables. That's like, that's the, that's why his return is a big deal. And then, yeah, you add the second guy or the the second leader in snaps, the third leader in snaps, fourth leader in snaps, next, sixth leader in snaps. Those guys come – that's just a big deal. And to me, like, that's going to be – even if OU's defense wasn't perfect this year, and I think down the stretch there were tougher moments than I probably would have expected, especially mm-hmm. against BYU and TCU. Mm-hmm. They were still better. And essentially every facet, and you're bringing that same group back that's just going to have another year under their belt. That's like to me, that's the thing you hold your hat on if you're a if you're an OU fan, is that continuity and consistency. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, and you add that to the other young guys that are returning too that should play some bigger roles. It's just it's huge, and yep. I think that's the thing you got to be excited
0: about. Absolutely. I mean, you when you have a good balance of. And let's not let's not pretend that these are these guys aren't extremely talented. I mean, they, those those four guys that you just listed, uh, including Ethan Downs, the pride of Weatherford, Oklahoma, those guys are they're talented football players. But when you have younger player, I mean, think about think about the role that our Mason Thomas could have this year uh, coming up. Think about the role that a guy like Robert Spears Jennings could have. Uh, you, you have, you know, P.J. Adabare. They are.
1: happens every time it's never going to happen. Just give it up. It's not, it's Uh, never going to happen. These
0: guys, (laughs) they have, they have role models that they've had their, their first couple of years that are coming back. You get another year of experience with them and another thing to learn. There's nuances, especially on defense. There's nuances that you don't pick up unless you've just seen it. You just, sometimes you just, you know, seeing it on a screen is one thing, but seeing it happen, uh with your own eyes is another and having guys that have seen those those things and having guys that have have had those experiences coming back it's huge i mean it's just it's a big big deal um and the influx of talent that oklahoma's had over the last couple of years on the defensive side of the ball i think it's truly going to get a chance to start showing itself um the the guys on that side of the ball just just weren't good i mean no offense to david ogwebu in 2022, I think he had 109 ta- 109 tackles. You know, that's just that's just not the same level of 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 athlete that that you have now. Um, and you know, maybe he's a bad example, but there there are there are guys that have been forced into some starting roles for Oklahoma uh, over the last several years that I just don't think would see. The field at this point, just given what what Oklahoma has built over the last couple of years. And so having those guys back is important. And you're going to start seeing it show uh, not just what they bring as players, but what they bring uh, just as cerebral uh, additions to the to the team, just what they have with experience and 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 uh, and thought process.
1: No, I agree. And when you start going down the list of, of returning of, of starters that are returning, and obviously that's, you know, again, Woody Washington, and Billy Bowman and Danny Stutzman and uh, Ethan Downs, uh, Jacob Lacey is coming back. That's, you know, and, um, uh, DeJon Terry. And then you, I mean, then you, are Genshie Williams, uh, there's, there's so many starters returning. And then you go down the list of, of young guys that didn't see a ton of playing time, but are coming back. And that's, you know, our Mason Thomas and, um uh, PJ Eddie Adibara, Eddie um, and, <laughs> uh, and Jaka- uh, Macari Vickers and Josiah Wagner and, um, and Robert Spears Jennings, uh, Peyton, Peyton Bowen. Bowen. Yeah. Oh, jinx. Uh, Peyton <laughs> Bowen, uh, Desan McCullough, uh, you know, those, I mean, Trace Ford, um, Kip Lewis, Kobe McKenzie, it's that's just that's huge. Oh, Brent Venables has not had anything like that in terms of consistency. Nope. And I keep in and some of those names. I mean, our Brent Venables said straight up when I asked him about our Mason Thomas, I think midway through the year, he said he was our best defensive end during fall camp. But he's he's been hurt and
0: he looked like it in the in the Alamo Bowl. He, he did. definitely looked like it in the Alamo Bowl. So.
1: Yep. It, no, he did. And that's like so to me, it's. And I mean, OU is probably going to get Justin Harrington back and Justin Harrington looked like he was primed for a huge season yep. before he got hurt. Um, So, I mean, and then, yeah, and then you even look offensively, too, with I mean, you're losing Drake Stoops and that legitimately hurts, which sidebar, oh, my God. What an incredible season for Drake Stoops. Just just an insanely good season. Nobody could have ever. I mean, he had 84 catches. He nearly had 1,000 yards. Marvin Mims' best season at OU, he had 54 receptions.
0: Well, and he finished ninth all-time in receptions at Oklahoma. Like, think about that. And then there was another stat. He caught passes from, like, nine different different quarterbacks. quarterbacks. (laughs) Incredible, incredible career for Drake Stoops.
1: Yeah. And, but I mean, you look at offense, I mean, Angela Anthony's is going to come back, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson. Uh, there's, I mean, Gavin Sawchuck, uh, obviously Jackson Arnold. I think there's a lot to be excited about with, with him. The offensive line is going to be a little bit of a question. Um, we'll talk about that later in the future, but, and then, and then we're not even mentioning some guys that, I mean, like Samuel Omicigo, like guys like that, mm. that really didn't play that. I mean, Lewis Carter, um, Phil Pachotti, and then you add the 2024 class into that mix. Uh, it's just that's uh, you have to have that kind of consistency. This you have a great mix of older veterans that have played under Brent Venables, yeah. A mix of younger guys that you know that didn't haven't played a ton, but clearly have potential. And then you have this incoming class of freshmen with all kinds of potential. That to me is the exciting part of the future. If you had to name just real quickly, if you had to name a, a young guy that either saw a ton of playing time or didn't that you think is like, Oh, that's going to be a guy that's going to play a ton next year on, on either side of the ball. What, what would you, who's your go-to? Cause mine's are mine's are Mason Thomas. Yeah. I think I, Mason that, Thomas that, is going to be huge.
0: That's a good pick. Um, I think that's a big one. I don't know what his snaps ended up looking like, but I think Dasan McCullough could be somebody that has a much bigger role next year. I'll be curious to see with Justin Harrington, you know, probably coming back. I'll be interested to see if he doesn't get more opportunities as a pass rusher, just because I I think that's where his, his bread and butter is. Uh, you know, he's not particularly, you know, he, he'll get better, um, in pass coverage, but he's not particularly great in open space when it comes to covering, uh, downfield, but as far as open space and, and pursue, uh, pursuing a quarterback or pursuit as far as, you know, laterally sideline to sideline, he's fantastic. Uh, so that, that would be a guy, um, offensively, it's got to be a running back. I mean, has to be it. Somebody is going to have to spell Gavin Sawchuk. So maybe that's Caleb Hicks i think it's gonna be taylor tatum that ends up being the, the young one the young guy that comes in um you know javante barnes had a really dis- I mean, talk about, he, he was in our round table i mean that's that was my answer for uh the most disappointing uh, disappointing doesn't yeah, do it justice yeah, i mean it, it's it, not personally to him it's yeah just, no not at all i mean he was yeah. 1a he was supposed to be running back 1a he's supposed to have a huge year and uh, it just, I, I don't know if it was, you know, the, the nagging foot surgery with, with, I don't know if it was issues with that, if he just had trouble, um, you know, understanding concept, I, I i don't know what it was, but he just didn't take the leap that everybody needed him to. So I think that that's another one. And then I guess my, uh, I guess like my, my flyer to, to end would be, uh, Jaquaza Petaway. I, I think Petaway is a guy that He's too athletic to keep off the field. I think once he gets things figured out, he's going to be a big part of what OU does.
1: I think he's an easy candidate for replacing Drake Stoops yep. in the slot, and I think it's clear they wanted that to be Gavin Freeman. But I just,
0: especially with Deion Burks in there now, I, don't, I yeah. think Gavin Freeman might. Uh, you know, I, I I love the kid, and I, I love stories of Oklahoma kids getting to mm-hmm. to come and play for the Sooners, but. Um that 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 room is very deep that's a very 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 good wide receiver room at this point so
1: well look Gavin Freeman is obviously still an explosive player he plays with a lot of heart and grit he's still (laughs) really young um I think there's I think there's still a pathway for him to to be uh, a big part of the offense Mm -hmm. but I think there's certainly going to be some open tryouts for Drake Stoops slot position yeah, uh, heading into next season. Uh, I'll also add real quick that before the season, I predicted that Peyton Bowen would play 450 snaps. He played 363, but part of that I think was injury. I think yes, if he had stayed mostly healthy, yeah. I think my prediction would have been correct. And to answer your question, Deshaun mccullough played 276 snaps. It's 20th yep. on the defense.
0: Yep. So, so I,
1: I do think he'll have a much bigger role. Yep. I agree. Brian, I think to 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 end things, I think we need to talk just a little bit about why we do all of this. Not only just cover OU football, but college football in general. And that is, who's going to win the national championship? We were treated to an incredible night of semifinal games. Oh, those both those games were better than I could have, than I could have imagined they would be. Those uh, were the,
0: that was the best pair of semifinal games they've had. I mean, period.
1: I I agree and I thought like it's weird because I think going in I was like well is Alabama Michigan going to be like the the unofficial championship game is like is that going to be the unofficial final? after watching Texas Washington I don't think that's true. Hmm. I think Washington can beat Michigan. Absolutely. I do too. I think that, I think they can and I will say publicly on the record um I have a Heisman vote. I did not vi- I did not vote for Michael Penix i regret that a a little bit i regret it a little bit (laughs) i'm gonna stand by my vote but i would be lying if i said i didn't regret it at least a little bit i voted for uh jane daniels who i think was um an incredible player obviously just to put up incredible numbers Mm. um but i do regret a little bit
0: i I just i think he was incredible this is a i think this is the reason this is like case in point why those those awards should not be voted on until after the season's over with. I agree. I I mean I think Michael Penn like maybe I'm crazy, but I think Michael Pennix wins the Heisman if 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 it was voted on after everything. I mean, he was unstoppable. They didn't ma- I mean, he was he was literally unstoppable against Texas. And and Texas's interior defensive line is as good as it gets. They 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 had great pressure on him at times, but his pocket mobility, his ability to see the field and precision accuracy. I mean, the guy, the guy's incredible. He's, he's absolutely incredible. So, uh, as far as national championship pick, I think this is the, like, put two names in a hat and draw one. Like, I, I think that's kind of where it's at. if I had to, if you know, if I had to put money somewhere, if you, if you, uh, forced me to, to bet the mortgage on one of the two I think I would roll with Michigan I think Michigan's defense I was impressed like their pass rush again I know Bama's I know Bama has has struggled in pass and pass protection at times but my goodness when they wanted to get after uh Jalen Milrow they did and and uh down the field I don't think anybody's gonna cover Roma Dunze uh all night, but I, I do think that the Michigan is set up to to at least limit them. Um and and that defense is legit. I mean that's a both of those we just saw it in the Rose Bowl. That that was uh, that was two the two best defenses in the country going at it. And uh I, I think I think Michigan's gonna be the one that gets it done, but uh we'll see. And then about twenty four hours after after Michigan wins, Jim Harbaugh is gonna be announced as the head coach of the chargers so
1: <laughs> yeah wouldn't that be a wouldn't that be a heck of a way to go out
0: yeah you win sure. the national
1: championship finally after years at michigan which obviously winning a national championship is really hard but after years at michigan you finally get one
0: and then 24 scoops.
1: hours later you're just gone <laughs> um i will say that i uh i earned or not earned. I gained a lot of respect for Washington, not only Michael Penix Jr., which I agree with you about the Heisman voting. My frustration is they open up Heisman voting the week before the conference title games, and they ask for your vote Monday after or the Monday after conference championship weekend. They've asked for like Monday by five, and I put my vote in at like three because like I wanted to take as much time yeah. as I could. Um, but I agree with you. I think I think waiting. I really appreciate having a Heisman vote. Uh, the trust, please don't come after me. I really like <laughs> I really like having a Heisman vote. It's just <laughs> I would I would tweak that a little bit. I would also tweak rules about transfer portal windows and opt outs and all that stuff because Georgia Florida State was a travesty. It was yeah. it was a sin upon the soul of college football um but i but i i gained a lot of respect for washington not only just michael Penix jr but their defense i thought their defense had some really good moments too um but yeah i think michigan's a better team top to bottom and if washington's gonna win it's gonna be michael Mm Penix having an incredible game
0: we've all just continued to pick against washington they just continue to say okay all right whatever so but i'm i'm gonna stick with it like you just said i mean I think Michigan's just the better team top to bottom, but yeah. They have Washington has the advantage at the one position that is the equalizer in the sport. So, who knows?
1: Also, why did Alabama run it straight up the middle in overtime? Why'd they do that? I've seen some people say that they were maybe going to try to to do that swing pass to the running. No, he wasn't. It no, it they was, weren't. No, it was it was a run up the middle. Yeah. Wasn't a great snap. But I just gotta feel like and a play you gotta have gotta have it
0: is that like a is that like a reverse reverse psychology <laughs> yeah. play like it's so crazy it just might work <laughs>
1: <laughs> like they're banking on they're banking on Michigan thinking. They they're not gonna run it up the middle. They right. wouldn't do that. Even yeah. though I think I think Michigan's defense was praying, please
0: run it up the middle. Please run it up
1: the middle. Yeah. I'm begging you to run it up the middle. <laughs> um, but you know, I tweeted that uh sometimes coaches outthink themselves and I, I you know of course I would be a better coach than than Jim Harbaugh or or um or Nick Saban. That's yeah. just a given. Duh. So it's so it's not fair, I guess. Not fair for me to criticize when I'm
0: Obviously right better. yeah i mean for, we're we're up here from the we're we're preaching from the ivory tower up here just they they only wish i have forgotten more about football than nick saban will ever know so, yeah that's, <laughs> that's a, you are coach clinton it's, yeah it's ridiculous yeah it's ridiculous uh, and <laughs> i you know
1: i i was an assistant for uh um for a flag football team an elementary school flag football
0: team see yeah you can't pay for experience like that Mm-mm. god
1: that's- i mean uh, running uh, bootleg right, bootleg left, reverses, uh, you know, belly right, which is just a handoff up to the to the fullback up the middle. I, I mean, why if, didn't they try if that? Nick,
0: if Nick Saban gave me an offensive play call to trot out to to his offense, I wouldn't be able to re- I wouldn't be able to recite it. No. I couldn't no. do it. There's why no are money. football plays so long? Why are they so long? I don't know. There's
1: no reason.
0: There's no reason. Banana X. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't. I
1: would just. I would just say, hey QB, this guy's running a post. Get the football out. Get the football out. Guys running a slant. (laughs)
0: Hit one of those two guys. Use the Uh, hand slant here. We got vertical.
1: (laughs) Hey, the running back's gonna go left. Give him. Give him the ball.
0: (laughs) You guys just. Block who's in front of you. Yeah.
1: Don't make it complicated. <laughs> I am, I am curious though to see if, if college football adapts the, uh, the in ear monitors or the in ear yes I,
0: I, uh, that was big. That was kind of a big storyline in the bowl games. Uh, I think, I think West Virginia and North Carolina did, did some of that. Um, they could be good. Needs to, they need to, they need to get it figured out on the timer though, because the quarterback, they don't have a timer like they do in the NFL right now. And so like the offensive coordinators talking to the quarterback while he's in the middle of the play, he could say the post is open to put, you know, you, right, they're really going to have to change that. But right. Yeah. It'd be interesting. It's it's, I think it's necessary. I mean, it's going to hurt some coaches, but that's, that's part of the game.
1: No, I agree. I think you lower the chances of, of uh, sign stealing. I think you make the communication more seamless. And yep. to me, I've always just been a fan of, um, making more things a seamless transition between college football and the NFL. Yep. I think that the, the – the, I'm not saying they're not different sports. I'm not saying that it all has to be the same. But, like, to me, the more things that you can make, yeah, you know, symmetrical, yep. I guess, because I think that's also a good experience for a quarterback to have that experience of using an in your monitor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's
0: going to – me- I mean, they haven't had that you don't have that in high school. Yeah. So like, yeah, that, that transition, I think that would help the player for sure.
1: Yeah. I could keep talking. I know we could both keep talking and ranting about college football, but I think uh, I'm sure people who are looking for OU talk backed out about 15 (laughs) or 20 minutes ago. So we'll go (laughs) ahead and (laughs) we'll go ahead and hop out of here. Uh, Brian, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Oklahoma Drill. You can find us every Thursday here at the OU Insider YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're not subscribed to the OU Insider YouTube channel, you should do so. There's all kinds of content from Brian and I, from Parker, from Brandon. Uh, Every day, essentially, of the week, we've got basketball season. They're about to start conference play. Brody Lusk and I have got you covered there. Softball season's right around the corner. If you don't feel like subscribing to our OU insider youtube channel you can always head over to ouinsider.com become a vip member get all kinds of content uh from every from everybody on the staff plus some behind the scenes uh information that you'll only get over there for just a few dollars a month but appreciate you guys supporting we'll see what happens in the final college football game of the season and next week we'll be back to break it all down